Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today's episode is our weekly interview with Vanderbilt quarterback. We did this on Wednesday ahead of Vanderbilt's game, of course, on Saturday with Tennessee. Now, you may notice a difference in audio quality. I am on vacation with family in Colorado. And because of that, and just because of space limitations, I did not pack all my usual audio equipment. So we will get back to that next week. Internet connection out here, not quite as good as what I've had. But anyway, hope in spite of that, you will enjoy our interview with Ken Seals. Ken Seals joins me as he does every week. Ken's a few days out with a big rivalry game with Tennessee. Ken, thank you for joining me tonight on a busy week. Hope you are doing well. I am doing well, which, and it's interesting. This has been a, a week where we don't have classes, but surprisingly, one of the busier weeks I feel like that I've had. So we, uh, we definitely stay at it. Yeah. What's involved in a week like this? Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, since we don't have class, you kind of have a little bit more time to be flexible with what you do. But, you know, I'll, a day for me looks like going to the training room to get treatment at 930. Um, usually have a lift at 1045. Um, after lift, we have meetings. We move practice up. So meetings start at 12. Uh, we start practice at 230. We practice from 230 to 5. We usually have like post, uh, you know, since we don't have class, um, meeting a little bit extra is encouraged. So we'll usually have post practice uh, meetings right after that. And we usually get done about 6. And, um, you know, for me, as uh, diligent as I am with all of my schoolwork and about getting it on time, I still have a couple essays that I'm trying to catch up on. So usually about <laughs> after we're done with meetings, I'll try and hit those for a couple hours afterwards. And uh, tomorrow, I think we actually have a team meeting starting at seven. So I'll probably be going to bed a little bit sooner tonight. So we'll see. What essays are you working on? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I got an essay for an English class that I'm in. Uh, I, for some reason, I didn't take it my freshman year, so it's sort of a freshman uh, intro to English uh, class. Uh, we have to write about some persuasive topic that uh, has to do with like cause and effect and just provide an interesting insight. I'm talking about uh, concussions, uh, the effect that those have like multiple effects, like physical changes that happen to you, but also like the psychosocial, behavioral, different things like that. And then... Um, also doing an essay for a music class that I'm in, uh, American Popular Music. Um, we I don't I actually don't know what I'm <laughs> gonna write about yet, which is kind of bad considering that the essay was already due. <laughs> but um, I will uh, I will figure that out. It has to be something related to uh, musical genres response to some sort of historical event. So one one of my roommates is writing about. Uh, country music's response to 9-11, so probably won't use that one, which sounds really good, but uh, I'll figure something out. We'll see. It has to be eight pages, so i got to figure out uh, something that's worth talking about. Just Google rock and roll in the 1960s. There's a good start. Rock in the 60s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talk about it all, so. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, it's interesting, this morning I was talking to my grandparents about, like, 
Bob Dylan and Elvis Presley and uh, how everyone like booed Bob Dylan for like picking up the electric guitar and playing songs like that. <laughs> just weird stuff. I actually had this exact conversation this morning, so it's funny that we're talking about it. <laughs> that is funny. Well, good luck with those. Um, yeah. Let's hit the elephant in the room. Um, your health for last week, were you available to play? I don't know where you want to go or not want to go with that. I'll just leave it to yeah. you and let you answer that as you feel comfortable. Yeah, I think, you know, it's obvious that this season has been frustrating for me and my uh, inability to get a lot of opportunities on the field just because of my, my health. Uh, you know, I came back against Kentucky in the first half and, um, you know, got, you know, a whole new injury there um, and, you know, kept me out the second half and the following week. You know, I'm I'm trying to get healthy. Um, I'm still not 100% uh, where I want to be. Um, and going into this last game, you know, my uh, my level of participation is still kind of uh, questionable um, to see what I'll be allowed to do. Uh, I'm moving around like I can run, I can throw. Um, but whether or not, you know, my ability to get through a full game um, is possible and, you know, me or the coaches have confidence in my ability to do that is still kind of up in the air. So um, it's been disappointing, uh, but you know it's um something that happens i'm dealing with it in the ways that i know how to and there's a lot of resources here to help me but um you know just still trying to trying to get healthy you watch from the sidelines of course the offense was better than it's been most of the year you get 450 yeah. yards of course you only get 17 points but i thought the way you moved the ball was important showed some improvement what did you like about what you guys did against Ole Miss? I thought, you know, they ran they ran a different defense than what we've seen. It was it was, you know, just kind of not your base like, oh, this is cover four, this is cover three, you know, kind of deal. They kind of ran a little bit of uh, a strange uh defense that we had to adjust to. They typically only had three down linemen. And uh so we ran a lot of duo at them. We ran um, some counters and we were gashing them. Like after the first Two drives, which weren't very well for us on offense, uh, we we started hitting some chunk runs, and especially whenever we got behind the sticks, whether you know for different reasons, um, it seems like you know it'd be second and long, and you know we just like gash a run, and Rocco hits it up for like 15, like an explosive run, and uh, that kept drives going for us. And I think having a good run game really was effective for us, and I thought um, we had some good concepts in the pass game to complement it. And, um, you know, Mike's ability to extend plays and run and move and uh, keep plays alive and then also find open targets and complete it down the field. I think about the third down to Ben where he laid out, you know, in man coverage on a little corner route on the far sideline. Uh, ended up putting us, I can't remember if we were in red zone, in the red zone or got us close to the red zone, but um, ended up setting us up for a good drive that he was able to extend. And so... Uh, we had a lot of we, we were really good on third down conversions and uh, we were able to keep the chains moving and um obviously i think that's why the offense was looking so good is that the chains were always moving um and i think about the the middle eight of the game where we had the ball uh to finish the second half then we started with the ball in the third quarter and i think it was like an eight minute drive nine like something crazy it was like a 12 play drive um, ended up being and uh, just drove it all the way down the field, ate up the clock. And that's exactly what we talked about all week was, 
you know, Ole Miss's strength is their offense and their ability to go tempo. And once you control the ball and you take away possessions from them, they start to panic a little bit. And they start thinking about every play that they're calling. And, you know, they're not feeling like they can be as aggressive as they want because, you know, they know their positions are limited, especially if we're controlling the, uh, the time possession. I think it actually ended up being like 40 to 20 uh, at the end of the game. So I thought, you know, we did a really good job of that. And the defense ended up doing, you know, their part and got some stops. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think we only had three points in the second half. And, um, you know, if we finish with a touchdown there uh, on our last drive and instead of a turnover, you know, that's a seven-point game. We go for the onside kick. You know, we got a chance to throw it up and, you know, win the game. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the Coach Lee's already told us if we had scored right there, um, then we'd have gone for two and try to get it right then. So um, it's, you know, it, it sucks because we honestly feel like we're we're close. And we ended up being two scores short. Um, you know, I think we could have – we should have punched it in there at the end, but, you know, everyone had a really good game and everyone performed really well and did their job like we always talk about. And uh, we were able to move the ball on offense. And like we've said all year, you know, the only people that are stopping us is ourselves. And, yeah, there's times when the defense is going to make a good call or their guys are just going to be, you know, athletes and beat us and just straight up beat us. Like, all right, you know, shake their hand, you won. But, you know, the majority of the time, like, it's us. Like, the execution, the communication, it can all be cleaned up and fixed. And whenever we do clean it up and fix it, you know, you have games like we did on Saturday where we move the ball. Rocco runs for over 100. You already talked about over 400 yards on offense. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that we got to continue to work on is uh, finishing drives with touchdowns. You know, 17 points with all that movement is – I wouldn't say unacceptable, but it's not, you know, preferred. We we need to come away with more points and uh, we couldn't get more to win the game. But I think, um, I think certainly the way that we performed, we put ourselves in a position to go out and get it. Um, we just got to finish. And I think uh, we're learning. Uh, and certainly, you know, you can see that this is a completely different team than how we started the year. And uh, that's, you know, exciting to see that we're learning the scheme and uh, we're taking the coaching uh, from Coach Lee, Coach Lynch on offense. The defense, you know, seems to come alive there uh, after the first couple of drives. And, you know, they're working on starting fast. And I hear, you know, all the defensive coaches talk about it all the time, starting fast. And so I think the mentality that we're taking with us this week is don't wait till after the first drive or after the first quarter or the first half to realize that we're good enough to keep up with anyone, especially Tennessee. And we need to walk out on the field with a little bit of arrogance, knowing that we are good enough to go out and win this game and don't wait to realize that. And so I think if we take that approach, that mentality to it, we're going to start fast. We're going to punch Tennessee in the mouth. We're going to limit their possessions. And then all of a sudden they're going to start getting stressed on offense, trying to figure out what to call, you know, thinking critically about every play that they call because it's, you know, pretty much the same story as last week. They got a good offense. They're on a fast-paced uh, system. You know, they're going to try and run as many plays, get you tight as they can. And, um, you know, good offense can keep them off the field, and that's what we want to do on our side, you know, control the ball. So um, it's it's one last game. It's one more game for these seniors, and I think everyone's motivated to go out and beat these guys and uh it's fun it's a fun time especially you know playing during thanksgiving it's uh it, it's been 
not nostalgic, but kind of a, uh, a interesting um, feeling in the locker room uh, around these guys, knowing that it's kind of the uh, the last one that we got with some of them. You know, I think of guys like CP. Or, you know, who knows if I've you know thrown my last pass to him? We'll see. Um, but it's just kind of like it went by fast. You, you start to put things in perspective real quick. Yeah, what does the rivalry mean to you guys? Or is it just something that you guys treat like you would any other game? Just because that's usually how you prepare for football games is you you take care of the next yeah. opponent in front of you. You hear that from coaches a lot. Some coaches take the, the approach of this is just another game. Uh, how do your coaches and, and does this team approach that? Yeah, you know, it's – um, I, I – I still consider like Tennessee a, a rivalry game for us. Is certainly the players on this team who have been a part of games in the past know how uh, physical and chippy it can get. Um, but I don't. I do think that maybe there's less of an emphasis on this being like our rivals. You know, like we hate these guys. You know, like um, in the past, I guess you know we'd call them Knox Tech. Uh, we, you know, on all of our powerpoints, you know, usually you have like. You know, the star V in the top left corner and then the opponent's, you know, picture in the right. And uh, usually it's like a grayed out upside down T in our PowerPoints when uh, last last year when we played. This is just what I can remember. Um, but, you know, this year it's, you know, in color, it's right side up. You know, it's just little things. And uh, there honestly hasn't been too much talk about, you know, like, we don't like these guys. It's just been, all right, this is who we're playing. This is our opponent. And we're not really worried about what they do. And I mean, to a certain extent we are, but we're more worried about what are we doing? Like what, what is it that we're trying to do and take care of ourselves first. So it's a, it's a different approach than um, what uh, I've been used to in the past against these guys. Do you have any friends on Tennessee? (laughs) No, I don't. I, I, I think, um, C.J. Taylor's uh, cousin is uh, the starting corner, though, for Tennessee, which is interesting. Oh, that would be Elante Taylor, yeah, who was committed yeah. to Vanderbilt for a spell. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes, he was. Really? Yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, that's the only guy I know of on that team. What does this mean for the seniors? I mean, it's hard to know what a senior is anymore. You kind of alluded to it earlier <laughs> with, with the COVID stuff and everything, but there will be some guys that are – playing their last game maybe some guys that have already said this is my last game what does it mean for them what does it mean for you guys to play for them yeah I mean it's it's tough it's sad to talk about thinking about some of those guys um I'm a lot closer with these uh seniors and upperclassmen than I were with the guys from last year. And there's a couple guys I can think of on the team last year that, you know, I really grew close to, but these, you know, some of these guys, um, are almost like older brothers to me. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I know, I know what happens whenever they graduate and, you know, they're not in the team anymore and you kind of, you know, don't see them anymore. And, you know, you don't text them. I mean, you'll check in. I'll, I mean, I'll certainly check in on a lot of these guys. And, you know, every time I see them, I'm going to, you know, brighten up and be happy that, you know, I cross paths with them again. But, you know, it's kind of like they're going their own direction. And um, this is where our paths 
separate. And um, I'd, I'd honestly say it hasn't been until today where that's kind of hit me, uh, that feeling of like, well, I'm not going to see a lot of these guys uh, much more after this week. And, um, you know, I think a lot of guys in the locker room, us young guys, you know, I say young, I think I'm young. Um, <laughs> they, uh, we have the feeling that, you know, as disappointing as things have been this year, we can still do everything that we possibly can to go out and get these guys one more win. And, you know, especially against Tennessee, you know, the rivalry, you know, in the past, these games have been intense and, you know, we've won, you know, consecutively, like I think three out of the last four, if that's right, I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, these guys take personal, um, whether that's the message this week or not. And, you know, I, I want to go get it for those guys. I want to feel like I sent them off the right way, uh, that they know that they got everything out of me. And honestly, I just kind of want to make them proud. I kind of want, you know, them to feel like I did a good job for them. And, uh, it's, it's tough, but, um, you know, a lot of those guys are going to go do big things. Uh, they're going to go work at different companies. Uh, some of them are going to keep playing football. Um, certainly hope so. And I'll be watching those guys hopefully on TV. Like, wow, I know that guy, you know, just kind of how I watch Dre Mintz, uh, and the other guys that are in the NFL from here. It's, um, um, tough, but, uh, certainly happy for those guys. And, you know, I want to go out and get it this week and do it for them. Ken, before we go to the mailbag, I wanted to ask you a question about Mike Wright. Seems to me that when I watch him now, he's improved as a passer since fall camp. Where have you seen him take steps up in his game? Yeah, I think that's a very accurate assessment. I mean, he's um, he's definitely improved as a passer. And his accuracy, his uh, timing on routes, his anticipation has uh, all gotten really well. Um, obviously I've already talked about, but one thing I think he does well is extend the play. And, um, you know, for me, that's something I, I watch and I try and take and put into my game, um, whenever I can, uh, just the way that he's able to, you know, use his feet, um, I think is impressive. And, uh, certainly I'm trying to steal that for myself, but he's, uh, he's improved a lot as a thrower. And I think that's, you know, a testament to the way that he's worked in practice and as a studying in the film room, because uh, he's certainly worked hard for it. And um, I know that uh, obviously not saying that he was not good at throwing in the past by any means, but it, se it definitely seems like he's taking this game to the next level. And um, I'm happy for him. And I think that's what the team needs right now. Um, obviously uh, has the ability to lead these guys to win. And, um, you know, we saw that last week against Ole Miss. Uh, we were close. And I thought he played a really good, clean game. Um, and I think, you know, he has it in him uh, moving forward. Let's go to the mailbag. The questions in the mailbag are sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615 see what your rights are, and if they can help. The first one comes from Nash Native 615. How much involvement does Clark Lee having, have during the week with the offense? 
during the games, is he part of the play calling slash adjustment? Do you or do you feel he is hands off or hands on with the offense? Um, good question. I think uh, I don't think he has much involvement in the offense. Um, obviously, you know, comes from defensive background. And um, is really knowledgeable on the defense from the conversations I've had with him. You know, he's taught me so much about the way the defenses think and what D coordinators are, you know, trying to do, um, what different defenses, you know, are trying to attack and where the weaknesses are. Um, so he's obviously very smart at defense, but I do think uh, he's trying to learn a lot uh, from uh, Coach Lynch and be, you know, very uh knowledgeable on both sides not that he's not by any means like dude certainly has like a very good concept of you know what what attacks different defenses like obviously being a defensive coordinator he knows the plays that you know that can't be run against them like you got to take away this play because this is our weakness how are you going to take this away different coverage adjustments and so um I think, you know, obviously he's very smart uh, when it comes to offense. I do think, though, that he kind of lets Coach Lynch have his um, creative freedom a little bit with it. Um, During the game, you know, obviously he's in tune with all three phases, you know, offense, defenses, and special teams as to uh, what is needed out of each to win the game. And so whether that be, you know, picking up the tempo, uh, four-minute drive situation, um, all right, we got to go score, like – let's take some shots or let's try and get some chunks or let's conserve some clock or the ball. Um, you know, he, um, I think he has um, certain input as to what needs to be done, you know, kind of like a, from a, you know, uh, aerial perspective uh, as compared to coach Lynch, who's kind of, you know, into the finite details of each play and, you know, setting up certain plays with certain looks and, you know, different things like that. Coach Lee kind of, is able to guide uh, the general operation in the direction that he uh, sees as needed. So I'm, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, definitely, you know, not 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 calling plays or anything. Definitely, you know, leaves that to Coach Lynch. Big Hatchie says, just a comment to Ken, you're one of my favorite players. We need you. Get yourself well and come back next year <laughs> strong and ready to lead the, t- lead the team. <laughs> That's awesome. I I need that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, and this one, Ann Arbor door. Hi, Ken. In the game, it's Ole Miss. It looked like the learning curve had flattened, and the team seemed to have found another gear. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, absolutely. And we've kind of already talked about uh, what happened in that game, but you know, I think guys, um, you know, have are used to these plays that we're running. You know, by now we've had you know 10 games before this one uh that we were able to get them all down um and guys are just feeling comfortable with it i think um you know our ability to move the ball was kind of reflective of that and you know we're going to make sure that you know we're still focused on us we're not really worried about you know who it is that we're playing because really you know everyone does the, the same thing you know they all line up they'll play you know cover two quarters whatever you know they'll bring you know sam fire it's just are we able to see it? Are we picking it up? How are we picking it up this week? You know, where are our matchups? And that's really the only thing that changes week to week. The biggest emphasis is focusing on us and doing what we do and executing our jobs, not worried about them. And I think uh, last week was a good example of how we were able to do that well. This next one comes from ATL Door. One of my pet peeves is the three-man rush in situations like third and long. But obviously, <laughs> a lot of NFL 
and call it coordinators, call it in games. As a quarterback, do you prefer having more time in the pocket with extra defenders covering or more pressure but fewer defenders? That's a really good question. And I think about this, too, as a quarterback. Honestly, I would prefer to run against a drop eight three-man rush defense. It's hard to find completions, but if you're able to have time as a quarterback and especially against a zone coverage, like you can find holes in the zones very easily, especially as a quarterback. I do feel like though it, it, you have to think about your matchups. And if you do want to bring pressure, uh, where do you want to leave the weaknesses? Do you want to leave your weaknesses underneath? If you leave them underneath and they throw an underneath completion, do you have confidence in your safeties to make the tackle to down the ball? Um, if you're bringing a lot of pressure and you're going to go man to man or you feel good about your matchups and you go like two man, bring a four man rush, something like that, uh, stunt the defensive line, you know, so the quarterback can't scramble. Um, then I think, you know, you have confidence in your defense's ability to match up against their receivers. And so I think that's, you know, kind of a, a self-evaluation as to where your talent level is. Um, whenever you, you do, you kind of rush three, drop eight, um, you're kind of saying that, you know, we you know respect this quarterback's ability to find completions. So we're just going to try and take all of them away. And, you know, there's a lot of times, surprisingly, a three-man rush can get to the quarterback, you know. Obviously, as a quarterback, you never want that to happen. Like, you know, if I, I at least, you know, from what I've learned and, you know, something that I've picked up as I've gone along this year, if you're getting drop eight, like, extend the play as much as you can because it's hard to maintain zone integrity for longer than four seconds as a defense. Someone's going to get out of place. Someone's eyes are going to get bad. Things are going to open up and you can find weaknesses in there. So, um, but it is interesting. If I feel like I got a guy and I see him man to man, like let's say I got CP on a short corner and they're playing cover one and they're blitzing five or six or whatever whatever they want to blitz, if they want to spy the quarterback, whatever. Um, and I got CP one-on-one press man with one high safety. Like, it could be third and 30. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the go to CP. You know, it's, just, it's, it's something like that. If you want to, you know, play flat underneath to take away the short completion and have a high safety over the top of the CP, well, obviously that takes that away from me. I'm going to have to beat it with a concept or, you know, find the in-between of the zone. Um, it's a stressful situation, obviously offenses abilities to complete those uh, long uh, situations are very low in percentage so whenever they do complete it it's just like oh my gosh like how did we give that up but I mean the reality is guys are going to make plays sometimes and it's going to happen and you're going to give them up Um, you know I hope that our defense is able to down the ball before it's you know too far down the field and just line up for the next play and that's that's how I see if I was a defensive coordinator I would probably play base defense. Um, I, I wouldn't do anything super crazy. Um, just what I feel, you know, got us into the third and long situation. Um, just keep doing that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't overthink it. NBA door asks you, which opposing quarterback has impressed you the most? Will Levis. I watched him throw. I was actually watching him today on film uh, from his film against Tennessee. And the guys, just the way that he's able to throw the ball is like, it's such a quick release. The way that it flies out of his hands, he's able to spin it. Um, 
and like just weird things as a quarterback, you know, like his back foot, like dragging on the throw, like his head and like staying completely still. Like those are all things that like I envy because whenever I throw, it looks like I'm throwing a pitch off the mound. Like I'm leaning over my head jerks to the side, my legs flying up. It's like, <laughs> I wish, you know, I kind of looked a little bit cleaner. And I think, you know, Will Levis has like one of the quickest releases that I've seen uh, from a college quarterback. It's, it's really cool to watch him. I think, uh, where he gets messed up sometimes is uh, his accuracy and uh, his decision making. But obviously, the dude's a really good quarterback, um, has a good line up front to protect him. And so he knows that and, you know, takes his time in the pocket, reading out the defense, um, and does a good job making guys pay, you know, with the shots and the chunk plays down the field. But um, uh, I think of him, <clears throat> I think of uh, Stetson Bennett, too. I, there's a lot of talk about him and JT Daniels. Who should be the quarterback? Um, I think Stetson Bennett's, you know, a good quarterback. Now, if you asked me at the beginning of the year, I would not have said that. Uh, I, I did not think um, he looked very good last season, but uh, he seems to have really stepped up. And also, too, uh, my guy Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU. He's a freshman this year, but we um, we went to a couple camps together. He's a Texas guy. Um, and my roommate was uh, teammates with him in high school, Ethan Barr. They both played at uh, Flyer Mount Marcus. And um, uh, so he's I saw him balling out the uh, the other week for LSU, uh, throwing a touchdown actually to a guy, Jack Besh, who was a uh, formally committed or I can't was Jack Besh ever committed here. Do you remember? Yeah, he was for several he months was. until LSU offered him. He sure was. Yeah. He would have loved to throw to that kid. <laughs> yeah, he's he's tearing it up over there. And I, I see uh, I see Jack Besh. I see a lad McConkey at Georgia. It's funny because uh, Lad McConkey came here on an official visit uh, my freshman year, the semester that I enrolled early into Vanderbilt. And uh, I don't know why, but Coach Mason had uh, Lad go with uh, me and Bradley back to our freshman dorm room. <laughs> and I was like, dude, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, this is an awful experience. This does not represent uh, Vanderbilt. And we're like, where are you thinking? He's like, well, I'm going on an official to Georgia on Saturday. I'm like, dude, like this is a Thursday night. Like, why wouldn't you give a Saturday? And I think the next week he ended up committing to Georgia. <laughs> and so I, I watch him ball out and I'm like, man, <laughs> that, that sucks. I think he was a Tennessee fan and Tennessee never offered him if I heard that correctly. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I really know. Yeah. Hey, we drove around in Coach Mason's G-Wagon down Nashville. I had dinner with them. You know, I did my best to recruit him. I'm sorry, Doors <laughs> I didn't get Lad McConkey, but, um, yeah. Then there's a, uh, we were talking about quarterbacks. I don't know how we got to this, but, um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, we just kind of skipped over Matt Corral there. Surely you oh. like Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's too obvious, right? Well, is it? I don't. I don't really know. I think, I think he's really Matt good. Can... I, I've seen him play a lot this year. He's and he's also been a little banged up, and a lot of his guys haven't been around. But I mean, he rushed for two hundred yards against Tennessee. Um, I, I think his throws are pretty on point. I, I, you know, everybody's got their own opinion, but I really like that kid. Yeah, I. Uh, it's crazy to me that he's as good as he is with how short he is like actually seeing him in person. It's just it's like, like, how do you do it? I don't know. But, um, yeah, he, he's good. I, you know, speaking of young guys like Bryce young too, uh, obviously having, you know, a baller season, um, you know, make guys like, like you already talked about on place on his feet, 
Um, actually watched, you know, some clips of him against Tennessee and I'm just like, holy smokes, like that dude can move. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. It's a, it's, it's a talented league. That's for sure. That's uh, one thing that I've learned in my time here. Yeah. Bryce Young put 550 on Arkansas this week and he's, he's something to watch too. So, um, he's got, he's got great athletes around him. Oh. No hiding that. And, uh, yeah, well, well, <laughs> I, I have my own opinions about the quarterback talent surrounding them. Yeah, James, good. Well, he's got Jamison Williams right now, who just is a, an absolute nightmare with the ball in his yeah. hands uh, anywhere in your secondary. So that that does help a little bit. But he's but Bryce Young's pretty good yeah. on his own too. Yes, yes, and and there's no credit taken away from those guys just because they have good players. Like they're good too, but. Certainly helps, especially a guy like Will Levis who plays behind the best offensive line in the country, you know, so. Door Fan 6 wants to know, what will the team do for Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving. This is actually a Wednesday night. So tomorrow we're allowed to invite our families up. And after we have our practice and meetings and stuff, we're going to have a uh, – like a whole little Thanksgiving dinner with the team and uh, all the family members that want to come. My whole family actually drove up from Texas uh, last night and uh, they'll, they'll all be here to hang out and eat some turkey and potatoes and whatever else. But um, yeah, they, they invited all the families up here, which is really cool. And um, all the guys that aren't traveling are allowed to go home, but um, it'll be interesting to see what other festivities they have. Now, you have one brother and one sister. Is that right? Yes, correct. They're both younger. Okay, both. Oh, so you're the oldest. I'm I'm also the oldest of three. Oh, yeah. See, I'm telling you. we're built It's different. always tougher on the oldest kid, isn't it? Well, I mean, we're the guinea pig for everything. <laughs> we are. We are. And then it's like whenever we get older and, you know, the siblings are the age where we, you know, had all these restrictions and, you know, got punished. It's like. They can stay up as late as they want, do whatever they want. It's like when I was your age, man, like <laughs> our bedtime was 830. Like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> now, your your brother is, what, three years younger than you? Yes. What kind of a sibling rivalry did the two of you have? Because I've got I had one two years younger than, than me. Oh, that's and, and we could be best friends, but we could also have it out. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't until recently – that he's actually been comparable in size to me. And I'd, I'd say previously, whenever he wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> fair fights between us. And yeah, I'd, I'd say whenever I was like a young teenager, I kind of abused my um, physical uh, abilities or advantages over him. Um, but I, I, <laughs> no, I no, we never do that. Oh, well, you know, I'd have to admit it sometimes, even though it, it might be exaggerated by them whenever, you know, he actually does get hit and he cries or whatever. But, you know, it's uh, it's something that I controlled later on in my teenage years. Yeah, I my, my younger brother, who is probably my best friend in the world now. Um, but I mean, we, we would have it out as kids. I remember and he would do everything he could to just get under my skin. And he was really good at it. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I feel like it's opposite for me. Like I, I try and get under his skin, and it it makes him mad. Like I can really get get under him, and I think I've I've caused greater problems in his confidence since then. When I've tried to stop, <laughs> but 
It, yeah. Anyways, but, should we um, just stop this here in case your parents are listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad's gonna hear this and be like, "What? Is, right. What are you doing?" Right. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, the only time I think I've ever punched anybody in my life, other than maybe once or twice in self-defense, was my brother. I was probably ninth grader, I think maybe seventh or eighth. And, and my best friend was over and we were trading baseball cards. And John was just following me around the house and just in my face and would not let – and I just turned around and on the spur of the moment, I just whacked him in the stomach. And uh, it scared me a little bit. He he said I broke his ribs at first, which I didn't. But but um, he he left me alone after that. Oh my goodness! I I shoot! I don't know if I've straight up punched my my brother. I've I've physically uh, I've wrestled him though aggressively when he wasn't fighting back. So that's the way I. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you gotta do it though. As an older brother, I mean, you gotta put them in their place sometimes. They get a little too confident, and it's like, all right, buddy. The way I remember it, I was not much on trying to annoy him. I had my stuff I wanted to do, and I just wanted him to leave me alone. <laughs> now, that's not how he felt. Um, you know, he kind of made sport <laughs> of that, but that at least that's the way I remember it. But anyway, um, that's fine. Matt twenty view Matt twenty three wants to know, what are your favorite Thanksgiving foods? Ooh, this is a good one. So obviously, uh, my dad will deep fry turkey every year. Um, whenever I was having Thanksgiving at home, loved his turkey. Really, really enjoyed it. I'm not much of a cranberry guy. That seems like a big Thanksgiving dish. Whatever the cranberry thing is, I can't get on it. And until recently, I didn't really like green bean casserole but the last two years i've really enjoyed me some green bean casserole and um let's see like mac and cheese mashed potatoes um what am i missing stuffing dressing whatever you call it um other thanksgiving foods that i don't really like the the sweet potato marshmallow casserole thing you know do you know what i'm talking about oh see i i love that stuff and especially if you get like brown sugar candied pecans on top that stuff is as good as you get for thanksgiving but i may be alone in that 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, it it looks delicious. Like I love marshmallows, but I just can't do the sweet potatoes. So that's that's my weird thing. Ah, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to go to war on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, see, deep fried turkey. I I turkey is my least favorite Thanksgiving food. It really wow. is, and I think. Well, here's why. It, A lot of people I, can't do it right. Maybe that's it. I feel like I'm about to throw my mom under the bus here because my mom is a phenomenal cook. But every time I eat turkey, it's just dry, and I don't like it dry. And I don't like the the brown gravy or whatever you put on top of it either. To me, that's gross. Really? Um, I don't know if it's gross, but it grosses me out to look at it. So to me, deep fried turkey <laughs> that might be that might be where I need to jump off here. Because I might could get on board with that. But the, just the dry turkey that you get on the plate for Thanksgiving, that is nothing. I eat it because it's like, you know, you, you feel like you have I mean, violated the spirit of Thanksgiving if you don't yes. have a slice of turkey. <laughs> but I don't enjoy uh, it. So are you like, do you eat ham? Like, what's your protein? I would prefer ham, like a brown sugar type ham, you might be yeah. maybe sensing a theme here. Um, the more you can make something taste like candy, the more likely <laughs> I might be to eat it, which probably is not great practice, which is probably why you're an athlete and I wasn't much of one. But uh, that's how I roll, Ken. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm similar to like typically whenever I'm making my Thanksgiving plate, like I don't really think about what I want. I think about like making like the best looking plate like it, it's like wow this is a really good looking plate i'm only gonna eat about half of this actually which is that's how i roll <laughs> see that just seems like an awful way to live <laughs> what do you mean? i feel like that's what everyone does honestly like they everyone makes their plate they put you know a bunch of colorful stuff on it they take a picture for their social media post it or whatever and then half of it you know gets left on the plate or whatever and they go get pecan pie or whatever See, I'm I'm not for taking pictures of you. Like, food is there to eat. It's yeah, there maybe to I'm eat. talking. To if if you're if you are spending time taking pictures of your food on Thanksgiving, then what are you doing? <laughs> okay, yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely showing the generational difference between. Oh us. no, no doubt. Now cranberry. See, I, I'll push back on cranberry sauce too. Yeah. I like that, but I think I'm in the minority. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I've never really, uh, I've never really liked it. The yam. What's what's it? Yams. Hey, I'm not big the, on yams, but again, if you make it taste like candy, beef. I can go with that. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking. We're talking about all this Thanksgiving food. I'm getting hungry now. I, I oh, I am. I am too. Um, casserole, I can get on board with that, especially if it's yeah. like that's where they make it with like the cream of mushroom soup, and like if you put like the. Um, Chinese noodles or whatever on top of it, the crispy stuff, then it's really good. Yes. Yeah, that's the only part I like, the crunchy little, yeah, that's that's it. That's how you do it. See, that doesn't work as well as a leftover, though, because that time the noodles have gone soggy, and it's just not what it was. Yeah, absolutely. I. That's a very accurate statement. Now, desserts. Where are we going for dessert? <laughs> See, I was always a big pumpkin pie guy. A lot of people are like, what are you doing? Um, I love pecan pie. Um, not really much into, like, fruity pies. Like, I don't really like um, – I'm not a big, like, peach cobbler guy. My dad will kill me for saying oh, that. Oh, you're missing out. 
yeah I, I don't know like apple pie i just you know it's it's not really my thing i, I like to stick to my pumpkin and pecan really <laughs> my brother-in-law hates apple he will not eat warm apples he thinks they're gross and i don't know what's up with That's that what i feel it's the texture of it I uh, I'm, we're gonna have to disagree there I, I don't like the texture of apples in my whatever pies cakes anything it's just it doesn't like sit, it makes me cringe when i feel it in my tongue and my mouth <laughs> so he's not alone um yeah. pie I'm, I'm okay with i want i'll eat it if there's nothing else there now i'll tell you when it's good is you if you put like the layer of like pecans and brown sugar or whatever under it that you sometimes have that really spices it up and of course cool with <laughs> for something on top yeah brown sugar i think is the cure for everything yeah it sounds like <laughs> uh, apparently i had more than i knew going into today but um now that i talk about it Got a little bit of self-reflection now. <laughs> right. Carrot cake, well done, is not a bad Thanksgiving thing um, yeah. with the cream cheese frosting, but it's got to be moist because if it's dry, then it's then it's kind of ruined. Absolutely. Banana pudding. Oh, absolutely. That's really good. Uh, we all we ice cream. A... Let's go ahead. Let me let you finish. Then I've got another yeah. very important question here. <laughs> no, I, I can't think of the name of it. What, what do you got? Are, are you an ice cream guy? I am. I love ice cream. <laughs> okay. You're from Texas. It's got to be Bluebell, right? Which is the craziest thing to me since I'm not in Texas anymore that people enjoy other brands of ice cream. Like some people talk about like Ben and Jerry's and I look at them like, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. It's insane. I, man, you, you and I, we're on the same page with that. I, I am. <laughs> I am. And I had this fight. Like my wife. We'll bring home. I'm not. I'm not like a food snob, right? I'm, I'm decidedly not a food snob. But what I cannot tolerate is cheap ice cream. <laughs> um, like if if it comes oh, in large quantities in a plastic container, I'm not saying I'm above eating it because I'm not. <laughs> if that's the only option I've got, but oh, like if you can go to the store and good ice cream costs you two bucks more. Then, then whatever's there, then, then what are we even talking about, right? I mean, it's, it's not that, even so. I, I don't know what it is. Like, there's no like cheap flavor to me. It's just there's nothing that can taste like Bluebell. I don't know. Yeah, which is, uh, I don't know. And it's something my dad will emphatically argue with anyone against. He is passionate about Bluebell ice cream too. So, it's uh, it's weird that it was like it's a southern thing. I don't know. Guys from other places just don't understand it. The uh, the homemade vanilla stuff that Bluebell yeah. makes is out of this world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm a big cookie dough guy too, so I really like cookie dough. We get you know Millennium Crunch from Bluebell. Um, uh, I think a butter pecan. Uh, yeah, pecan that's good. Cake. Yeah, those are all my favorite Bluebell flavors. I could get. I love Bluebell. <laughs> See, I like I like the vanilla enough that I'm a creature of habit that that's what I usually get. Um, but I feel like I'm leaving a lot of yeah. other good stuff on the table. Banana pudding I've had, that's good. I think they made a birthday cake briefly, or maybe a wedding cake. I always like those. I don't know that I see them that often, but those have been good. Uh, I mean, I don't think Bluebell is capable of putting out something that's not good. Yeah, I mean, birthday cake ice creams could never really get on board with. Just too much sugar for me. Uh does not seem like your problem <laughs> no it's it's decidedly not my problem i don't um i don't like bitter tasting things but i love sugar um although that's gotten it's gotten a little less as i get older but um but what else would you like to know about me 
<laughs> as far as your Thanksgiving palate. <laughs> I, I did you, not I didn't know that I was gonna get this passionate about a food discussion. I didn't see that coming. Do you have sweet tea on Thanksgiving? Um, no, I usually don't, but I like it. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, the, see, the older I get, the older I get, um, didn't used to be a case when I was your age. Like, there, there is something that's too sweet. Like, I feel like sometimes some people uh, make sweet tea where it almost feels like you're drinking pancake syrup, and that's uh, the point to where it's too much. That's the best point. <laughs> that's what I like. <laughs> that's the only kind of sweet tea that I want. See, I didn't. I didn't expect that after this conversation, for, because you a know, minute ago, birthday cake ice cream was too sweet, and now you're going <laughs> this way on sweet tea. I so you, you got candy. you got to pick a lane here, man. It's. I, I guess it's the candy. Like candy can be too sweet, but like when you're talking about sweet, yeah, like I, gosh, sweet tea. That, that's the best. But we see what we always had is our my um, my great grandpa. He would always make this uh, fruit punch. He put like Seven Up and fruit punch mix, and had like. I don't even know what you call the ice, but the ice is like in like flat sheets and it's like this thin, like crunchy ice and you scoop it out of a ladle. So, you know, the ice is like all uh, like intact. It's the best. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's like very commonplace or practice among like people for Thanksgiving, but the, the grandpa's fruit punch is like the absolute best drink that i look forward to on thanksgiving and i don't even know what it's called if i could share the recipe i would because i feel like everyone needs to experience that now if you're taking a road trip or something and you're buying candy i don't, I don't know if you do that you probably take <laughs> care of yourself better than i do but w what are we getting <laughs> it seems like you're pretty hung up on my my candy i think i am for some reason i feel like i need to know this suddenly and i don't know why <laughs> Uh, it depends. I like, I like the, what's it called? Like the, the nougat stuff. So like, if it's like a three musketeer or a milky yeah. way, something like that, that I really like those. Uh, but really probably my go-to is like a Snickers bar, honestly. Yeah. So, um, not, not like, like, you know, that's, that's more like a sweet stuff. It's not really like a candy kind of thing, you know? Um, like I, I like Skittles and stuff, but I think, you know, just like my chocolates, my you know, stuff like that. That's what I like to stick to. I love chocolate. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and gummy candy, the good gummy candy is um, yeah, is a thing. I, Although I, I don't like the I don't like gummy bears if they're too chewy. Yeah, if it's like in like I had like a box of dots. Like I haven't had dots in years, but I will not eat dots again for no. a very, because that's just oh, it, it's so frustrating to eat. <laughs> of, of all the candy, why would you ever pick dots? It was there. Honestly, I didn't even <laughs> buy it. It was sitting in our room for some reason. No one claimed it. And so I was like, you know what? I just need some sort of like delivery mode for some sugar right now. <laughs> I ended up eating half the box and regretted every bite that I took. Now, by dots, are you talking about the gummy ones? Or are you talking about the little candy hard things that stick to the paper that you have to peel off? No, dots, like the little gummy, like, yeah, yeah. Almost like, yeah, like racist, like, but like drop shaped things, like, yeah, they they get stuck in your teeth and it's like in yeah. your gums and like biting it the entire time. Like my tongue is like exhausted, like cramping up trying to get out of my teeth. It's just like <laughs> not, it's not a good experience to eat those. See, I'm I'm with you. I will eat that if it's in front of me. But like, if right. you have choice of other candy, why would you ever pick that? Yeah, I well, in in my scenario, I didn't, and I'll never leave myself to be in that situation ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, Ken, I've kept you a while. 
before we end the podcast, do you have any more thoughts on football or candy? <laughs> football or uh, no, I think I've said enough about both than uh, I've ever talked about. So, <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, I've just had the longest conversation about candy that I've ever had with anybody in my life. So if, if we have a legacy for this podcast, if nothing else, it's going to be that. Oh my gosh. Between that and our talks about programming and social media. Yeah. Interesting turns. You, you never knew what you were signing up for when you did this, <laughs> did you? No, I don't think you did either. So no, no, it's, that's, that's fair, <laughs> but uh, it's been fun. It's always fun. Ken, wish you the best of luck. Um, as you guys go to Knoxville, wish your family the best. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone else out there. Andy Ludicky with MyPerfectFranchise.net joins us, as he does about every month. Andy, hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, man, I am. Thanks, Chris. I'm up in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, I'm kind of insulated from a lot of the, uh, the bad football I've been watching as a Texas Longhorn fan right now. Okay, I got. I, I got. I got to <laughs> ask you. How do you lose to Kansas? <laughs> it, it, you know, that game. Um, it wasn't even. It wasn't. It was never close. Kansas was beating us from the first snap. Uh, I think they marched down the field on the, their first drive, got up seven zero, and they were leading the entire game. And a funny story there, Chris. I uh, I was watching them with my son. He's twelve. And he is a diehard Texas fan, and he's really never seen a good year of Texas football. So it's been a really sad fan experience for him. Uh, every year we go out to game, we're one and four going out to games. Um, but anyway, we're watching that Texas game, and we're losing, and he's kind of crying. And then we knew basketball was coming on. We were playing Gonzaga, and we knew we were going to lose to Gonzaga. But we got a good team, and we're just gelling. So we'll enjoy kind of watching the maturation of our team. That's what we decided. Anyway, it was like 10 o'clock at night. We were losing to Gonzaga losing to Kansas, and my son's getting tired. He goes to bed. And uh, about 30 minutes later, I flip back over to that football game, and we're up by seven in overtime on Kansas, little old Kansas, you know. So I, I don't know why I did it, but I went to my, my son's bedroom, woke him up, got him out of like a dazed and confused sleep, <laughs> and um, had him watch the last bit of overtime. And what he watched was Kansas just drive down that 35 35- yards or whatever and uh then go for a two-point conversion with a walk-on catching it and winning it and uh my son starts crying again so that's that's kind of really the epitome of of being a texas longhorn fan um the last 10 12 years is is stuff like that so yeah real fun experience with with the kansas game you know and i and i think that the uh the the little espn ticker showed us when that happened that was kansas's first road win in the big 12 since 2008 yeah so that's impressive yeah there were lots of great stats in that game I don't think Kansas had won a game as a a 30-point underdog or something like that since 1978 and Texas had lost one and something like that long so that really was the perfect (laughs) storm but I have a story I have kind of a similar story to share with you Uh, I think listeners of the podcast know that I've got a nephew who's a starting wide receiver at Wyoming uh, and so we go up to try to see him play. This is his last season. In fact, I am doing this show from Colorado where my in-laws live this week. And we're going to go watch Aiden play. Well, actually, we're not going to watch him play because he tore up his knee 
but it is a senior day. We had booked tickets a long time ago. We wanted to be there to honor him. So we're going to watch Wyoming and Hawaii uh, this Saturday, about the time Vandy and Tennessee will play, which I will be watching that on my phone. But so the last time we were out there was the week Vandy plays South Carolina. And watching that on my phone as I'm watching uh, Wyoming play in the stands. And so after the game, my in-laws have this huge camper. They have this like they have the tailgate to beat all tailgates at Wyoming. And so we go over and we are, it's the last couple of minutes. And my son follows Vanderbilt. I call him over. He's, he's out throwing the football with a, another little kid. And it's like, Hey buddy, come here. They're about to win a game. <laughs> if you want to watch it. So he's, he's hovered over my phone and I get him over there just in time for them to uh, give the ball back to South Carolina and watch like a 90 yard drive for them to lose the game. So uh, oh. I, uh, co-bad co parenting here on, on the account of both of us, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I've learned my lesson. Uh, we're not traveling for a Texas game until we're in the SEC and good again. Um, no need to go see these irrelevant Big 12 teams beat up on, on Texas anymore. It's, it's really demoralizing. So when when is that happening, you think? I mean, the guess right now, I guess, is 2023. Yeah, I was thinking two years. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, the The problem, obviously, is uh, Oklahoma and Texas don't want to pay that big uh, buyout uh, to get out of the contract. And now you've got uh, uh, these other guys coming into the conference that I'm sure would, would enjoy having Texas and Oklahoma in there. So I don't see – if the Big 12 was going to disband, then we would be fine. But now that they've got new teams coming in, um, I think Texas and Oklahoma are just going to have to get – some donors together and pay that big money and move on. It was like 60 million or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's so two years, something like that. Let's talk happier things. Um, you were in the business of franchising. Uh, tell folks a little bit about what you do. Then I want to ask you some very specific questions about the opportunities that you're seeing right now. Well, I'll tell you what I do, especially when Texas is bad, is a lot more business. Um, I, <laughs> I hate to say this to you, Chris, but when, when Texas is bad, a lot more productive because I don't browse the, the rivals' boards like uh, a stalker all day long. Um, so I'm a lot more productive. Um, but right now, um, what I do, uh, you know, I own a few businesses. I, I started by, a, by my first business I owned was a franchise, and I, I bought that almost 10 years ago now. And um, I also own a dumpster company, a porta potty company. And really what I, I spend a lot of my time doing is helping others find businesses that match their skill set, just as a consultant helped me about 10 years ago. What are you seeing as the big opportunities right now? Because before we started the podcast, you mentioned a couple specifically where you think there are really good opportunities. So let me just give you the floor to talk about those. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So, uh, so I look at businesses or franchises in one of two ways. Uh, you you have brick and mortar businesses, and then you have service based businesses. And really, the entrepreneurs that buy those businesses are are, are a little bit different. Um, so, I like to look at each of those models as what, what's what's hot in each of those classes. And right now, in brick and mortar, well, backing up a little bit, brick and mortar got hit hard when the pandemic came. Um, social distancing closing of anything with four walls, uh, it, brick and mortar had some setbacks. Um, but coming out of the pandemic, they're really starting to gain some momentum. And um, 
really what, what I've seen is the, the, the hottest brick and mortar franchise happens to be in boutique fitness. And it's a, it's a company called rumble rumble is a brand that's backed by a bunch of a-list celebrities, uh, a-list athletes, uh, Draymond green, uh, Kevin Hart, Rihanna, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Justin Bieber. There's a ton of folks that have, uh, invested in the early stage rumble. And now Rumble has been bought by Exponential Fitness, which is the biggest fitness company probably in the world. I, I don't know if that's a fact, but they've got 10 or 11 different brands underneath them, uh, Club Pilates, Pure Bar, Cycle Bar, Stretch Lab, uh, just to name a few. And Rumble is their latest, uh, their latest brand, and it's, it's kind of a – it's got a punching bag. It's a water-filled punching bag as well as a CrossFit type, type of dynamic in the workout and – uh, the atmosphere in there is, is, you know, booming music and high energy. And uh, anyway, the workout will kick your butt. So I really like Rumble in the brick and mortar space. And just so you know, brick and mortar typically is for somebody that uh, is either diversifying or keeping their day job with a nice portfolio behind them. Um, it's managers run the day to day. Typically, the owner is not involved in the day to day operations of a brick and mortar business. So rumble and brick and mortar. Then on the service side of things, um, really, when you look at service side businesses, service-based businesses, they're a lot lower cost because you don't have those four walls to build out and, and the rent to to pay every month. But um, you can scale those businesses to empires. Um, there's really no limits because you don't have walls that can find you. So in the service side of things, the pandemic really blew these businesses up. They were doing fine before pandemic, but with us staying in our homes more, wanting to improve our homes, and now home prices getting astronomical more than ever. And my favorite is Mighty Dog Roofing right now. Mighty Dog Roofing is a newer brand that's already sold about 150 territories. But when you peel back the layers of the roofing business, it really becomes interesting. Um, the average ticket in roofing could be in the $30,000 range. So it's, it's the highest of the high, which means quick ramp, meaning just a few jobs a month gets you to like a seven-figure type of annual revenue. Uh, there's no national competition in the roofing space. Mighty Dog is actually now the largest national player in the roofing, and they're just a year old. Uh, the founders have a lot of experience in franchising, owning Monster Tree, Redbox Plus, and now Mighty Dog under a, a, a parent company of Horsepower Brands. And uh, lastly, what I love about the roofing business is it's really non-invasive, meaning your, your workers are climbing up a ladder, working on top of a roof, not going into a home to talk awkwardly to the wife or the kids or bump into the vase or see the Rolex watch or the medicine cabinet or whatever else as a liability inside the home they're going up on a roof down the ladder getting into their van and going and then not that you're going to do a bad job but when you're looking at like a versus a paint company and whatnot you know betty homemaker is putting her magnifying glass on your work well on the roof nobody's getting up to inspect your roof you've got to do a good job but you don't have to worry if there's a degree off on an angle or something like that um so you just really need to focus on doing great work and being a great customer service agent in the roofing world. And again, low volume gets you high, high gross revenue 
in a shorter period, short amount of time with the roofing business. So those are my two right now, Rumble in brick and mortar and Mighty Dog in the service world. What kind of investment are you looking at to get started in either of those? That's a good question. Um, ranges out there. It depends on the location you're at, rent rates you get on Rumble, uh, the tenant improvement money that you get uh, through your your landlord uh, in that build out, but probably anywhere from the the high threes to the 600-ish range on Rumble. And then on Mighty Dog, depending on how many territories you buy, probably anywhere from 200 to 450-ish kind of range. Now, keep in mind with both of those numbers, the most popular way of of buying a franchise is using SBA to finance the deal. And typically with the SBA loan program, you're putting 15, 20% down of that number. So this is not cash out of pocket. Typically 20% of that number is, is cash out of pocket. Andy, it's an interesting time economically in America, just in general right now, you've got supply chain issues, um, just all kinds of stuff. What, what other opportunities, because sometimes bad conditions create opportunities, right? Is there anything else out there that you're seeing or that you're watching is maybe a potential opportunity in this particular time that we're in? Well, I really have just seen, like I said, the home service world has boomed and really due to us staying in our homes and then homes becoming way too expensive right now. And if you think painting, flooring, insulation, roofing, uh, kitchen remodeling, garage remodeling, uh, those things have they have all seen year over year substantial same store growth. And so I'm I'm real high on really almost every service based business right now. And I think that, that that trend will keep on. This is not an anomaly of, of a, the pandemic. Um house prices are going to stay high. Um the amount of inventory in the housing industry is not where it needs to be in the first place. So I think we're aligned to have the service based businesses have a really nice run for a good good period of time moving forward. Yeah, speaking of that, and I'm asking you this just impromptu, so you're not prepared for this at all, but knowing you, you, you follow business so heavily, you have an answer here. It's really interesting to me in the part of the world that I live in, you're just seeing fast food restaurants and just restaurants in general having a hard time finding workers. Uh, you're seeing the, the DoorDash and those kind of businesses explode just in terms of people being really busy and, and wanting their food delivered to them as, as we have a lot. I'm really curious where you see the, the food industry going in terms of franchising opportunities, maybe in the near future, if you have a gauge on that. Well, you know, food service is not something that I, I know as well as other industries, but I will tell you this, that Really, any entrepreneur that's looking at food now, I, I think that they're all making sure that it's got a drive-through or a digital component that drives ordering process. The days of wanting to buy a restaurant that is a sit-and-eat concept um, without that quick-serve mentality, I think, is a lot riskier these days. So my friends that are in that space, they're, I, I continue to hear, it better have a drive-through or I'm not interested. That's interesting. Is, is that just people have less time than they've ever had before, or is it is it related to something else? 
Well, I think that it's two things. You, you, the pandemic, one, and then also the success of not having the, uh, the drive-through during pandemic has made it to where the lobby isn't quite the necessity, and, you know, all that sit-down. And with that becomes, you know, when people are dwelling in there, they're causing more mess for you to have to clean up. They're using more of your product, whether it's more free refills on the Coke, more paper products, more condiments, whatever. So you get them out of your, your store quicker and you're going to be more profitable. Andy, I'm going to give you the floor as we close today. Anything else worth the discussion, whether in the business climate or franchising opportunities or even anything maybe with the SEC that we didn't get into earlier? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I don't think so. I Hopefully I haven't bored all the listeners here. If you're still on, uh, I thank you for listening, and I would love to talk to you. If you're, if you're on, you're obviously interested in, in talking business and whether this is the right time for you or if you've got an idea in your head and you you want to just kick the tires on it, I love networking. I love talking about business opportunities. I love talking about business strategy and, and just ideas. So you can reach me at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or my cell phone is 404-973-9901. Call me, text me, email me. Um, would love to just network with you and, and, and kind of laugh about how bad texas football is right now so we can always be a a good punching bag for folks right now yeah i think vanderbilt fans can feel your pain and you've already had (laughs) a couple of conversations with with people from vandysports.com and you've only been on board with this for a few months now yes we have in fact i've got one of the vandy sports uh members is attending um discovery day for a painting brand here coming up so we might have a, a, a new vandy sports franchisee that I'll, I'll introduce to the board um but i don't ever talk about the candidates by name until they allow me to and they purchase their franchise because uh, a lot of them are working their current job and whatnot so got to protect them confidentially well we hope we can make that announcement at some point andy thanks for all you do um for our podcast and for the folks at our site Looking forward to uh, talking to you again soon, and enjoy your Thanksgiving, and and hopefully you can find it in your schedule to watch some good football in there somewhere. I'm going to definitely let a a line out here, and maybe we'll watch a little basketball or something. But um, happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy time with your family. It's the most important thing in the world. You know, on our earth is, is family, in my opinion. So enjoy your family. Enjoy Thanksgiving, everybody. And one more time before you go, give out your contact info again, please. Sure. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net and 404-973-9901 is my cell. And MyPerfectFranchise.net is the website. Andy, thanks so much. And again, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.